We're going to be continuing in Matthew. We're going to be in chapter 26, starting in verse 17. But before we turn there, I just kind of want to share with you guys what the Lord's placed on my heart over this week as I've prepared for this message. Uh, Tonight we're going to be talking about communion. So for the past three or four weeks, we see a shift in Matthew where Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. He has told the disciples that he's going to be delivered up and killed and resurrected, and he has also promised his return. And what we've seen over these last couple of weeks is Jesus giving direct ways that we are to live awaiting his return. He has given us commands. He has given us promises. He's given us just ways of life. What we would call now Christian worldview or Christian theology is very heavily influenced by how Jesus taught his disciples to live between the now and the then. The now being when he is reigning in heaven and his spirit is in us, and the then being when he comes back on this earth. There's a gap there, and he is teaching us how to live. And he has told us about the good works that we are supposed to do. He has given us commands to love God and love people. And he's given us very specific ways that we are supposed to do those things. And last week, he showed us that that doesn't start until we are filled with him first. We went over the story of the woman just pouring out perfume and pouring out her worship on Jesus and how Jesus validated what she was doing as great and as holy. If you guys missed that teaching, I highly encourage you to check it out. That was last week. And what we got from that, what we saw from that, is that Jesus comes first. As many good works as there are to do and as many good works as there are for us to do, Jesus comes first. We worship him first. We are filled by him first. And that our good works are just an overflow. If you picture a water glass being filled, our worship, our alone time with Jesus, our prayer when we're reading scripture and it's just he and us, that's the glass being filled. And those good works are just the water that's overflowing. We have to be filled with him first. And tonight we're going to learn how communion is a very big part of that worship. It's a very, very big part of that intimacy that we have with Jesus. And I've just been meditating on the depths of communion and what it symbolizes and reminds us of and the promise of communion that we're going to read tonight. And I'm just, I'm really excited to share it with you guys. So let's pray and then we'll go before the Lord and open the scriptures. Lord, we just thank you so much that you have such an amazing plan for our lives. We thank you that you have set set it up so that we are just a part of what you're doing, Lord God. You're a part of of our lives, Lord. We can commune with you. We can worship you. We can talk with you, Lord God. And that, yeah, Lord, we just thank you so much that you are with us, that you are for us. And there are just amazing promises for us to hold on to and know for sure that you are faithful, Lord, and that you love us. Amen. All right, so we're going to be starting in uh, Matthew 26, starting in verse 17. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly, I say to you, One of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to one after another, Is it I, Lord? 
He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. Let's stop there. So our story opens up talking about the first day of unleavened bread and Jesus and his disciples celebrating the Passover. So I just want to define some terms and make sure that we're all on the same page and get the setting that's happening here. So every year in Jewish culture, you celebrated a week of unleavened bread to remind yourselves and to teach your children about God rescuing Israel from the hand of the Egyptians. They call it the unleavened bread because after the final plague that God sent to the Egyptians, they... The Egyptians were kicking Israel out so quickly that the bread that the Jews previously had made did not have time to rise. So on this journey, they had to eat unleavened bread. And so they they do this to teach their children about the rescue of God and also just to show that it, it was a complete rescue, that they didn't even have time to let their bread rise when God decided to act and to show up. And Passover celebrates what's known as a 10th plague. Um, if you guys want to do a deep dive into this, I would suggest just looking into Exodus 12 and 13. We don't have time to go in them tonight, but I just want to give you an overview of what's going on here. And what's going on is they're celebrating how God rescued them. And so Pharaoh refused God. He refused Moses. I'm not going to let the Israelites go. I'm not going to let them go no matter what. And so God sent plagues on Pharaoh until he finally decided to let the Israelites go. And Passover celebrates a tenth and final plague. This was when God had Moses tell Pharaoh that God is going to send an angel and that the firstborn in all of Egypt will be killed. And then God gave specific instructions to the Israelites to then take a lamb, slaughter the lamb, to paint its blood on the doorpost, and to celebrate inside. And so in the same night, in the same scene, and and, and those that had the blood on the doorpost were passed over and spared from this judgment. And so with the blood of a lamb, we see mercy and judgment happening. And it's all to set up and to point to Jesus. And so Passover celebrates the fact that God spared Israel. And they celebrate this every year. And they, they celebrate it with very specific foods that they eat at very specific times. And there's four cups of wine, which we're going to get into in a little bit as well, that they drink at very specific times to celebrate and remember very specific things. And so here they are celebrating this. It's, it's, a, it's a joyous occasion. It's remembering God loving Israel and rescuing Israel as his bride. It's a very joyous occasion And yet Jesus brings up that somebody is going to betray him. And he points out Judas. Or Judas actually points out himself. And Jesus says, it is as you say. And another gospel tells us that then Jesus tells Judas, whatever you're going to do, go and do it quickly. And Judas gives up and leaves at this point. And just, just, I don't want to give... too much time to Judas. I want to spend the bulk of our time in in celebrating Jesus and just just having remembering 
the amazing, amazing promise that he gives us. But it's important to get to see what is going on. And I was just wondering what it would be like to be there, what it would feel like to be there at this point where you're getting ready just for this joyous occasion. You're sitting down with Jesus. Your friends, you guys have just bonded over the last three years following Christ. You have had the revelation that Christ is God and you are worshiping and loving him as God and you are just there and you guys are bonded together. All indications point the disciples had no idea that Judas was betraying them. And all of a sudden, Christ just drops his bombshell. And the confirmation that it's true is Judas gets up and leaves. Just wonder what the emotions at that point would be like, what it would feel like to actually be there and to have all of this going on. Um, A couple things about Judas that I think is very important to remember is that he had every opportunity that the rest of the disciples had. There was no mistreatment of Judas recorded. Christ did not treat him differently or exclude him just because he knew that he was going to betray him throughout the three years of ministry. Jesus loved Judas. He had every single opportunity that the rest of the disciples had. He saw all the miracles that all the disciples saw. He heard and received the same teaching that all the disciples had. And those private moments where it's just Jesus and his disciples, Judas was a part of those. And yet he just refused to soften his heart towards Jesus. He had a hard heart. Another gospel tells us that he was also stealing from their money back that they used to finance the ministry. That he would even encourage those around them to give to the money bag. And it says so that he could take from it. I mean, he just, but he had every opportunity. There is no special category that excuses what he did. But just like in life, when there's free will that can bring down just anything, the joyous occasion, someone just chooses evil. They just choose to do the wrong thing, and it hurts everybody, and it betrays everybody there. Christ starts bringing the mood back up. And Christ gives us what we now know as communion, and he gives us promises surrounding communion that have just, I've just been meditating on this whole week, and I'm just so excited to share with you guys because they have just brought me so much joy and so much hope. And while I didn't know what communion meant and what it represented, just meditating on the rest of this passage really brought it in a whole new light and a whole new depth. And so I want to spend the rest of our time just focusing on that and diving in on that. So we're going to pick up in verse 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and we had given thanks. He gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of this vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. There's a whole lot going in on this verse, and I just really want to dive right into it. The first thing to notice is that Jesus is changing what Passover means. 
It's, if he wasn't God, it would be blasphemous for him to say these things. Exodus 12 is God himself that says, the bread represents the unleavened bread that my people will eat when they are fleeing Egypt, and that will symbolize me and my deliverance of the people. Jesus says, now this bread represents my body, something different. It's a complete claim to be God at this point, <laughs> um, but it's, it's amazing because it's showing us he's not saying previously this was wrong at all. He's saying Passover, celebrating Israel's redemption from Egypt was amazing and it was great and it was God on display as, as the husband of Israel and Israel as his bride and him rescuing his bride. It's an amazing, amazing thing. But it was all pointing to something better. Right? You can have a great, amazing thing and then you can have something better at the same time. And, and, and this is what's going on here. Passover was a great, amazing thing, but it was all pointing actually to something better. And Christ is saying, I'm the better that it was pointing to. This bread is going to represent my body that is broken for you. That is broken as a sacrifice, presented as a living sacrifice for you. He goes on to say, and he took a cup, and we had given, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of, of sins. Now, during Passover, there's four cups of wine. We don't have time to get into all of them. This would have been the third cup. And traditionally, the third cup represented Israel's complete deliverance from the Egyptians, remembering when God parted the Red Sea. What it did was it gave the Israelites a reminder that nothing, literally not even the giant Red Sea, nothing on earth would stop God from being their God and delivering them. And it was just a reminder that when all odds were against us, the strongest army on earth at that time was bearing down on them to kill them all, God showed up and parted the Red Sea. And they walked across on dry land. And when the Egyptians pursued them, even then, then God closed the sea and drowned them all, completely delivering them from all of their enemies. And they could walk in just this peace and this freedom that no one else is after us. We are safe. God has completely, completely delivered us from our enemies. That's what the third cup traditionally represented. And this has been going on for literally thousands of years, representing these things that God himself said, this is what it represents. And now Jesus is saying, well, now it represents something else. Again, it was great and amazing that it represented that. Remember that. He doesn't say stop remembering that. It's great and amazing. But just like the bread, as amazing as it was, it was actually pointing to something even better. And again, he says it was pointing to me. And he says, this is my blood of the covenant. And in speaking those words, there's a major, major change in history that is happening as Jesus speaks those words. 
and that is the old covenant is stopped and the new covenant is being brought in. So we're going to jump over, uh, we're going to jump back to Jeremiah 31, 31 and see just what this is that Jesus is talking about. Got that on the screen? Perfect. Uh, Starting in verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. For the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Well, amen. It's such a beautiful promise. And Jesus here is bringing that at this moment, saying that starts now. Which is crazy. <laughs> right? It's absolutely crazy. This is literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years of the old covenant and Jewish tradition that this is just how life is. There's the sacrificial system, there's the temple, there is how we are to live, this is, there's how we are to dress, how we are to act, everything organized by the old covenant. It's just life, it's how we worship God and interact with God, it's how we receive forgiveness for sins from God, this is how it is. And at this moment, Jesus is saying that all stops and something better is now here. It's absolutely crazy what's going on as what we know as the Last Supper. It's absolutely crazy what's going on. And he's saying the new covenant, Jeremiah 31, 31, starts now. I'm the one that brings it in. It's my blood that now forgives sins. It starts now. And this glass is to represent my blood, to remind you that the new covenant is here. That you can find forgiveness. That you can find salvation. That God can be your God. It's just it's absolutely amazing. Something that I think is just a great tie-in as well is that traditionally, like we said, the third cup represented what they would call a complete deliverance, that nothing on earth stopped God from rescuing his people. And I believe that that's still something to remember with the new covenant, that nothing on earth (laughs) will stop this forgiveness that Jesus shed his blood. Right? And it's complete. I love that word, complete deliverance. That's what they would coin when they would drink this third cup. I just love that word because to me there's just challenges us to paint a black and white picture and not have a gray area about forgiveness, right? Either we are completely unforgiven or we are, we are completely forgiven. That's the challenge. Don't have any, any gray area. Really meditate on what that word complete means. 
Because what Christ is saying is my work on the cross is going to be absolute and complete. And we know as he declared, it is finished. All payment regarding your sin, he is saying, is now finished on the cross. And as we take communion, it's just a reminder that it is complete and we don't have to add to it. We can't add to it and we don't have to. That's not required of us. Christ took care of it all. It's just, it's just been encouraging me so much this week to meditate on this. And this last part is just, I mean, if, if, if that didn't blow your mind enough, this last part is just absolutely amazing. In verse 29, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. It's a promise that this is our destiny, to be with Christ. If you call Jesus Lord, your destiny is to enter his kingdom, sit down with him, and have communion. And he is so looking forward to that. I believe he said this with just joy. Just He is looking forward to that. Think about that. Now, traditionally, this would have been the fourth and the final cup. And what that represents is Christ taking Israel as his bride, saying, I am now your God, and you are now my people. And now Jesus is saying, I'm the one that's going to drink that cup with you and proclaim, I am your God, and you are mine. That's the start of our eternity, right? I, just, I was just meditating on that all week. And I, I wanted to get more and more excited about it. And the more I did, the more the Lord would remind me that he's even more excited about it than I am, <laughs> right? Think about that. He's even more excited about it. And again, so, so we see kind of this, this, this three-tiered progression that doesn't make the previous any less but like we talked about, it's very possible to have an amazing, great thing and then still have something greater. And it doesn't make the previous any less at all. So there is Passover remembering God's glory as God showed his power over Pharaoh. The strongest person the earth had ever seen, God crushes and shows his glory, delivering his people. That was Passover, amazing thing to celebrate. And between the here and and the then, when Jesus comes back, we have communion. Amazing thing to celebrate the work on the cross, our complete, total forgiveness. Remembering that God is our God, that he paid it all, and that it is finished. And then even something better, where we have communion face to face with Jesus as we enter heaven. It's just absolutely amazing. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Man, just such an amazing promise to hold on to. Something I want to encourage you guys with is that you are given the authority to take hold of that promise throughout life. Life's going to get hard. 
right? A lot of things are going to happen in life that are going to hurt. The disciples just went through a very surprise betrayal by somebody who they thought were one of their own. They're just realizing Jesus' words as he tells them, this is, this is the last couple days of my life. I am going to be killed. It's starting to sink in. Uh, Judas leaving and betraying him was kind of the, this is actually happening. Like he wasn't joking around. It's all starting to sink in. And yet he is leaving them with this hope. Like, guys, we're going to be together again. Don't, 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 we are going to be together again. I'm looking forward to it. And as we go throughout our lives, and because of our free will, because of other people's free will, we experience pain, we experience hurt and loss and betrayal. We are given this promise to reach through all those things and just grab hold of that promise. Like, none of that is going to affect my destiny. None of that is going to stop me sitting down in God's kingdom and drinking this cup with Jesus. This is an amazing gift that he has given to us. And what I want to do is just spend a lot of time worshiping him for this. <laughs> and we're going, to all, we're going to take communion together like we do. And what I just love is that Christ himself gives us what to think about, what communion now means, what to meditate on, what to allow it to mean to us. And I want to leave you guys with a couple um, things just to encourage you with is that it is, it is the cup of redemption. If you need to come to communion to ask for forgiveness, that's what it's for. We can, we can kind of psych ourselves out into thinking that we shouldn't take it because of how badly we messed up. And Christ is saying you should take it because of how badly you just messed up. Right? Remind yourself that your forgiveness is 100% and complete. That my, he's saying that my work was enough to cover even that. I know exactly what that was. My work was enough to cover it. Take communion to remind yourself of that until it sinks in. To not allow guilt or shame to beat you down. To not punish yourself or beat yourself down. Look at it as the cup of redemption. And just like how God completely freed the Israelites, look at it as that complete freedom from the power of sin. The complete freedom from the power of sin because of his blood is what we are supposed to be thinking about when we take communion. He says, when you eat the bread, remember his body. Remember he came in the flesh. Remember that he offered his flesh as a living sacrifice so that he could be with us for all of eternity. Is what goes through our minds. It's a joyous occasion. It's a very joyous thing. And also remember that final promise that he gives us that he is just excited Right? There, there's, we see just greater measures of him and then we are going to get to experience it face to face and be with him face to face in the, all of his presence and all of his glory and enjoy him forever as he speaks over us, I am your God and you are mine. I mean, oh, yeah, it's just so amazing. <laughs> it is just absolutely so amazing and he is looking forward to that and he paid the ultimate price so that that can be true of us
If you're wondering how much he's looking forward to that, the Bible says, for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. That joy is us in eternity. That's why he endured the cross. And this is how he plans to start eternity with us. And so the worship band's going to come up, lead us in worship. And man, I just t- take as long as you need to read this over, meditate on it, marinate on it. And as you go up to take communion, uh, one of the things we like to do here is we don't like to take communion alone. So if you go up to take it alone, don't be surprised if some people come up and join you. Um, it's also a great thing as you take communion as a group to look around and be excited that that's true of the person across from you as well. Right? Be very excited that Christ died for that person right across from you. Very excited that what it means to you, it means to them or for them. Be very excited that just as much as Christ is looking forward to drinking this final cup with you, he's looking forward to drinking that final cup with them. And just celebrate that. Celebrate that. It is meant to be a celebration. And as humans, we need reminders. Right? You can ask my wife, I need reminders. Something can pop into my mind and I completely forget what I was just saying, what I was just thinking, and what I was just doing. And that's why at, at Anthem, our, one of the pillars of our Sunday gatherings is communion because it's meant to be that tether, that anchor that reminds us back, this first, Jesus first. Be filled with him, be healed by him. Let him do the work that he needs to do in you first. Yeah. Lord, we thank you so much that oh, you just love us, Lord. You love communion with us. You love being in our lives, Lord God. You love filling us up, oh, Lord. And you're just looking forward to that even greater merit measure where we see you face to face in your Father's kingdom. You have laid all this out before us. You are protecting this with your power and with your authority. Lord, I thank you so much that you give us communion as a gift to remember you, to look forward to what our destiny is with you, Jesus.